Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, the podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. You'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched A Brighter Summer Day. A brighter summer day follows 14-year-old Zhao Sir, played by Chang Chen, as he navigates all aspects of life during the summer of 1960. He is attending night school, which is full of young gang members, and he finds himself getting heavily involved with them. Throughout the summer, he deals with various issues with his family, school life, friends, girls, and rival gangs. Screenplay by Hong Hong, Ming Tang Lai, Alex Yang, and Edward Yang, directed by Edward Yang, and released in Taiwan on July 27th, 1991. So I'm assuming that you haven't seen this movie before. No, I have not. Have you heard of it before? No. No, (laughs) me either. Um, I guess that's a little surprising because it does have some prestige behind it. It is part of the Criterion Collection. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I've missed this whole thing. Um, I've, yeah, I've never heard of it, but when I was reading up on it, it was considered one of the, I don't know if it is now, but one of the best Taiwanese movies ever. How This movie is really, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> you understand the reasoning. I understand it, yeah. the reasoning why it's really good. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this one. I have heard of Yi Yi. Yeah. Which is the movie that Edward Yang did in 2000. Uh, and I think has more Western exposure. Um, yeah. Even though, I mean, this, the the teenagers here are all obsessed with Western culture. But I mm-hmm. that may have just been how it was globally like you know you have i know not really you know like with the beatles like the sure. beatles became even though yeah they're not american but i'm and then it was mostly elvis like in this movie yeah in this movie it was a lot of it was a lot of elvis um it, at least for a couple characters specifically mm-hmm. you got deuce and cat who are the the singing duo and they're asking like it's yeah to it's, thro- it's thrown that. in here but you can also see just um like the way that they are dressing i mean this movie just reminded me of like west side story hmm okay but complete opposite in terms of music because there's none in this aside from yeah there's no the digenic s- songs that like exist it's on not the a musical <laughs> even though there is parts where but you there's know, not even a score in this like there's Not no even no the musical song accompaniment t- aside from the songs that they are actively playing or listening to on the radio. Like there's no there's no score by an external party to create like an atmosphere. It's okay. all silence. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It and then this movie is the title of this movie is 
derived from an Elvis Presley lyric from his song, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Even though um, I think that the Mandarin or... Is it Mandarin or Taiwanese? That I think there's Well, there, there's like speaking, multiple. It, yeah, because that, it's part of the... people from mainland China. This is like after World War II. It's like late 50s, early 60s. And, you know, they. I had to look this up. It was... Um, it was, quote, known as white terror, where it was the political re- reparation on the civilians living on mainland China, where they, the government, um, declared, you know, martial law, and it started in 1949. So a lot of people from mainland China moved over to Taiwan. Yeah, they emigrated over there. Um yeah, so I mean, there's there's like a little brief recap at the beginning of the story that sort of explains a little bit about that, but it goes very fast. Yeah, it and it kind of assumes a, a lot of knowledge of that time period, which I don't know any. Which we don't have. Yeah. But yeah, in in terms of like the language discussion, there's actually a mix, and that's something that gets lost on us. But if we were in Taiwan or China or somewhere like that, that that's watching this movie, they would understand that there's a lot of different accents that are happening in this and there the, there is mandarin and cantonese because i think at one point i saw in the trivia of imdb that you know like when they are um when the mom and the dad are having the fight in the bed mm-hmm. um you know trying to say hey don't you think this guy betrayed you mm-hmm. right um that they switch from i forget which one it was they switch from mandarin to cantonese or vice versa whichever one is more appropriate for whatever because like it's they're dropping the pretense of trying to assimilate into Taiwanese culture in that moment and they're you know having this internal fight and so they they basically code switch and and they are talking in their native language so when they're there's a lot of like elements of that that we do not capture yeah we won't know that yeah and the like the Mandarin or the Chinese I guess the kanji for this movie it translates to Guling Street juvenile murder incident. Yeah, I think that's I think that's like the literal title that that was that's, Yeah. Yeah. And then they um adapted it for foreign audiences. Yeah, to a brighter summer day. Which I think makes more sense, honestly. So this is based off of a true story, which is why that literal title exists, but I don't know. I feel like the the metaphorical title that it uses is better suited for it. Yeah. If if you were to see, okay, this movie's called The Murder on Such and Such Street, you would kind of almost assume You're gonna one see... that the murder's gonna happen soon. Yeah. Which it doesn't. It's <laughs> and, at the very end. <laughs> and, and and two, uh, that it'd be more of like a mystery in a sense. Yeah, it's just like all of <sighs> Like, leading up to it. And it's a lot of leading up to it. There's a lot going on here. It's... In a way. Like, a day in the life of this one family. Like, a summer in the life. This obviously spans a lot more than just a day. It's it's a very strange slice-of-life type of a scenario. And that's probably why it didn't really come across to Western audiences back... You know, maybe it's not so well-known here because it... I don't know, like... I could see it coming across as being too far removed culturally for a lot of people to understand. 
you know, so it doesn't really have that mass appeal. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I like movies where I don't want to say boring, but I like watching about other people's lives. It's it's easier to accept a slow paced movie like this. <laughs> it's a this. slow paced movie, but it's like especially when it's a different culture where you can kind of absorb the visuals of culture and scenery day-to-day... and all these things that you do not get to see. Yeah, they're day to day tasks, I guess, and then yeah. how they interact, how this family interacts with each other, and then also in this community. Yeah. I, I think Which that is I'm, a lot was, of... I was interested in. I think that's a lot of the appeal. But yeah, this movie is extremely slow-paced. It's our second four-hour long movie. I will say that <laughs> so, I wish this movie was maybe... You could have cut a good hour. I think you. I think there is a version of it that okay. is three hours long. There are... I mean, I appreciate the movie, but there are certain parts where I was like, okay, I'm getting bored. It's also really weird. Yeah, me too. Um, There's also weird segments where it feels like you have these prolonged stretches where you see virtually nothing happening. And then there are other times where it feels like we're cutting in mid-scene. Like mid-interaction, like mid-conversation. And it's But it leads to something else. Sometimes. And then sometimes it feels like we're leaving mid-scene, like before the actual resolution of the conversation happens so it's like this weird mix of we're going to show you everything including you know all 30 steps it took character to get from point a to point b before he starts talking and then other times where we're going to cut in like mid-sentence practically and then leave mid-sentence at another time <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a weird choice to me and i don't fully understand the 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 dichotomy of it but it exists um, and so, yeah, if, if anyone else is watching these movies along with us, you know, week by week, I apologize for having two four-hour movies in a, in a single year. I don't think we're going to have that happen again no, I don't this, think there's in, in 2022. We probably won't even reach a three-hour movie anymore, if I had to guess. I, like, yeah, comparing this to, like, um, La Belle Noiseuse, I was more riveted with La with Belle Noiseuse. Like, I was... Like, that four hours, I could have seen more, I guess, (laughs) with that movie. I could have watched more than four hours. And this one, I was like, can we just get to it? (laughs) I don't know. There are part. I mean, I appreciated it. I was like, okay, I understand all of... Most of these scenes. But some scenes where it's just like... I don't know, there was, like, what you were saying, where people were, like, mid-sentence, like, going through a breakup. And I'm like, what is even happening? Yeah. It, and then there's, like, an other scenes where it's, like, you know, deal, I understand, like, it's kind of, like, showing, like, the teen, teen angst life of these, like, Taiwanese teenagers. Because there's, like, another scene where I was like, why even show this? But I'm like, I get it, but Why? Where there was, like, a basketball game, uh-huh. and one of the kids was just, like, disappointed and crying. That was, like, five minutes, and then it goes to, like, something else. And I'm like, but why even show that? But it's... I think just to show, like, how teen life is during that time. I'm sure it all has a purpose. It's it's tough to... 
I think this is one of those movies where it, it's tough to really understand the reasoning behind things if you don't have the understanding of the whole. And so when you're watching it, as you're going along, it's like, well, what the heck is the point of that scene? Why did that happen? But like even, you know, uh, because we run to this movie, I'm taking screenshots before we even recorded it, and I'm noticing a couple little things here and there through, through skimming through the movie again mm. to get screenshots that I didn't notice the first time around. Okay. You know, like very early on, there's a scene with that that doctor mm-hmm. and his fiance, um, where they're at the market and, and you know, uh, Sir comes by and she's giving him like looks and basically saying like, you better freaking ghost like there's like tension and like fights there already which kind of leads me to believe okay well we already know about the doctor's like infidelity or like weird you know stuff that that's kind of brought to light three hours later in the movie yeah you know so like there's little things like that that happen well but this was that before he met ming well i don't know when he actually met ming well, he like we know we know when no he's... sir when sir met Ming it was when they were both like at the nurse's office. Oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm I'm saying like the doctor and the doctor's fiance are having the interaction where the fiance is basically telling the doctor get the fuck out of here. Oh, like, like she's mad about something. Like they're having some sort oh, of fight. Oh, I thought telling sir and it's to get because of the doctor's like infidelity. Oh, like, I thought you meant garbage. the the fiance was telling sir to get out of here. No, no, she oh. escorted. She oh, okay, escorted okay. Sir to help him after oh, okay, the first okay. initial fight. So anyway, there's like a lot of layers and a lot of stuff going on. But it is very slow paced and there isn't that intermission. And it's it's weird because there's a lot more going on character wise. There's a huge cast in this compared to La Belle Noiseuse. Yeah, because I was trying, I was like, because they always refer, I still don't even know who Airplane was. <laughs> they kept on talking about Airplane. <laughs> I'm mean, like, which kid is he? He did, He was just kind of like a hanger-on. He didn't really have a whole lot of, like, purpose other than to be there. But If you, if, if like I showed I knew, you a picture, you'd know who yeah, he was. Okay. But I knew like, who. He didn't have any, like he didn't have main, any, like, moments. Yeah, I, I knew who the main, like, cat, hot, well, they... There's, There's a, yeah. honey, but when mm-hmm. I looked it up, like, online, it's honey, H-A-N-I. Mm. Yeah, there's probably, like, phonetic spellings versus yeah. whatever. But it's it probably fly, meant to be. I knew, but it was just, and, and, you know, sir. It was like, there was, like, four of teenagers out of all of them. And then, you know, Ming. And mm-hmm. then there was Jade, the other girl. But right. then everyone else, I was like, who? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of... Okay, so I think it really helps that they were given code names because of their gang affiliation. Yeah. They all have, like, real names, which you rarely hear, um, if ever. And then you have the code names, like we are saying, you know, things like... What was it? Like, <laughs> uh, Red Bean and oh, Sex yeah. Bomb. And, oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Deuce, mean, and, Deuce and Sly and Threads and all these different people. So that helps quite a bit. But, but like, then you have, the like, the leader guy. His name is just Shenzhen. Or something. Yeah, uh, which leader guy? Because there's a few different The guy... F- um, the pool hall guy? The pool hall guy. Oh, Shengdong. Shengdong, okay. Shengdong. Who's played by one of the writers, Alex Yang. Okay. Um, he's... Yeah, so... That helps. But, like, the family doesn't even get... A name like the mother and father we yeah, don't have they, names for them even the youngest sister they call her the little one yeah 
there's three different sisters. There's um, there's like an oldest, a middle, middle, and younger. But younger. The middle one virtually has no lines. I don't know why she's a character in this at all. The older one. The middle one. Oh, the middle one. The yeah, one the, where well, she basically is like wants to push religion in one scene. Yeah, I <laughs> I didn't even know who it. she was, but um, like they call Sir Sir because that means four. And, and he's he the, fourth the fourth child yeah. out of fifth. And also they make a little reference at the end where um, his name, Shao Sir, makes like a little smiley face. So mm-hmm. I think that was an intentional play on mm-hmm. words as well. Like that might have been sort of like his code name in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His name in the movie as like, you know, uh, whatever it is, Shang Zen. Zhang Zen. Yeah. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Apologize. The older brother does have a name. It's Lauer. Yeah, which I, I guess is sort of like a play on words of like prick. They say so. It's uh, sort of like Dick and Richard, or whatever. Maybe sort of like a, you know. That I understood, and I, I. The oldest sister, I don't. Even, I don't think they gave her a name, even though she was in it a lot. Yeah, she's like she a looks prominent. A lot like the mother. <laughs> oh, you thought she was the mom. In certain scenes, because they have like very similar builds, haircut. Oh, you know, well, and like the mom very even similar looks, at times. Yeah, the mom looks young too. Yeah, where I was like, is that the? Old? I thought okay, the sister that they were showing, I thought she was the second sister, and then the mom was the oldest. But then that when they kept on saying mom, yeah, and then I was like, okay, yeah, the the oldest sister dressed kind of matronly to me and that you know the, that combined think, with the similar size and shape and haircut but and everything, she's kind like, of like the second mom because she's always helping yeah, yeah the mom and dad with the youngest sister a lot mm-hmm. and then she's also going to school to go to america because she's like the only one that understands english because they use for or sir and his friend Cat, you know, they, well, Cat mostly, they, they're, you know, he's like obsessed with westernized culture and music like Elvis Presley. Yeah, he wants to be a singer. He wants to be a singer and he wants to sing in English. When he does sing, it's in English, but mm-hmm. he wants Sir's older sister to translate all of these lyrics Yeah. so Cat can sing them at this ice cream parlor place or, yeah wherever it is they do i thought it, it was a the couple ice cream places. place yeah yeah um so yeah there's, there's and, a yeah that's how we get the title a brighter summer day because she's she listens to the record and she's like pausing and playing pausing and playing writing down and she's like oh it sounds like he's saying a brighter summer day and Which, that's yeah. where we get this. And I think, um, I, I think that title is, is good because, I don't know, it, it's tough to explain. I know we're going to give away the ending, but, um, well, like mean... it's, it's an optimistic title, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, hoping for a brighter future, which is kind of what the whole thread of this movie is, you know, you have sir who's in this night school situation which is basically for the troubled or lower grade kids and you have to test your way out of that into the day school which contains like the normal students quote unquote i saw it that's where i was getting confused because he was 
Was he in day school and night school? Because he was in school during the day. Uh, like weekends. Oh, so night school like was that. weekends and nights? Something like that. Because they kept on saying, okay, where are you going to go? And like, why are you going so early? And he said, it's Saturday. He's like, well, it seems even early for a Saturday. And it's like, well, we have an assembly to go to first. Okay. So yeah, I think that, um, I don't know exactly what night school hours are, but you know, it could be like early afternoon. To oh, like four or to like that. nine. I yeah, have no exactly. idea. There okay. certainly could be some daylight hours. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, the intention is he wants to have a better life. The family wants to have a better life. Everyone wants to have a better life. And you know, that could be possible. There's, there's little sparks of hope sprinkled in as to how that cod could happen. Like the older daughter going to America and, you know, the dad's working with this guy, Wong, who is hopefully going to help Sir get into the day school and help the mom get her teaching certificates because she hasn't been able to work ever since they moved to, to Taiwan mm-hmm. uh, and, and all these different other things that are going on. And, you know, new relationships and new friendships and all this kind of stuff. But what continually drags them down is the gang activity really yeah and you have the 217s 217 is the rival gang rival uh, and you have there. the little park boys which, which is, is their, their gang their gang from that school and so there's like a turf war involved and there may even be like a third gang or i don't know if like just it's maybe shandong is part of a different outfit that's also just i don't know like th- there's also Threads who's in there, and I don't know if he's part of the 217 or if he's... Yeah, the, there's a lot of complexities that I didn't fully grasp. Yeah, I think the, that's why I was wondering who is Shang, Shandong a part of. Was he, like, somewhat, like, adjacent to the 217s? I think like, so. Like, working with them? Because he was the leader, but the actual leader of the 217s was, like, Hani. No, Honey was the leader of the Little Park Boys. Oh, I thought he, he was, was the leader the of the he was, opposite he was, team. No, no, he was on the good guys, quote-unquote, team. He was just oh. away for a long time because... Okay, and then the 217s, this is... Uh, 217s whatever. started taking more control. Sly wanted to basically take over for Honey while he was gone. Um, had a little bit of infighting with Deuce because Deuce was Honey's brother and like no one was really fully taking control and meanwhile the 217 was taking over their territory while Honey was Yeah, going. I know. They were just it was a lot of turf war yeah. fighting and there's even parts where like the 217s just walk straight into their school while they're like in the middle of a class and the teacher just like runs away because he's like I think, yeah. there's, there's like a game war that's gonna happen and i'm not gonna yeah. be a part of this that they um, like they don't they're looking for even... tiger but they mistake sir for tiger because they yeah. don't know who's who and we don't really i think part of our confusion is that we don't really know who is in the 217 by they don't really show a lot of people i guess shandong is probably part of it but like aside from that we don't see... we don't get to know those characters the way we get to know the little park boys mm-hmm. and so it's tough to know who's who yeah that's um, where I was. Well, you the two one sevens. They dress up like this is why I was getting like um. But this is probably because of their influence from like Western culture. They look like greasers to me because they had their hair kind of like coiffed mm-hmm. like in Greece, 
and they, they were wearing like a lot of the, white shirts. Yeah, just white, just the basic white shirt with like dark pants. That was the two one sevens. But there wasn't really an outfit for the little park boys aside from their school outfit. Besides, which was yeah, also that's white probably shirts. yeah. But they also had their kind of like their um, whatever their school shirts with their um tags on them with their yeah, number tags but those were also white shirts they just no i thought they were like tan tag. okay it didn't look that much like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> i don't know uh, so yeah there's there's a lot going on with the gang stuff and he gets wrapped up in all of it uh and he slowly devolves as time goes on yeah and the summer. he's not a part of either gang but he's sort of just like friends well i mean his best friend is cat who is in that little Park Boys gang. Yeah, he's like ancillary gang, you know, because they had that little confrontation at the beginning where they have, they catch some kid and, and Sly tries to get them to hit the kid with a brick to yeah. sort of act as an initiation and they both refuse. Yeah, but, but then Sly does it. And... But he's still like part of the gang. He's still around them all well, the time. Well, because he was sort he's of just like... not doing much of the stuff because yeah. he's younger. Yeah. And when they do that big raid on Shandong's place, he's outside with the flashlight, not doing anything except for watching Just for kind people of looking to come out. out. Yeah. And then, you know, he comes in and sees all the carnage afterwards. But, so he's around it all the time because that's, that's his whole group. That's his whole friends. That's basically the entire school is part of this gang. Mm-hmm. And that's what, one of the things that they say at the very beginning as well is... You know, this fleeing from China created a lot of unstable kids, a lot of severe unrest, and so tons of street games formed. And it's just the way the culture was at the time. Who knows um, how prevalent it really was, but yeah, that's what they said. There's, yeah, there's just so much going on with this thing. Um, I think we haven't talked a whole lot about the, the filmmaking side of things, and I wouldn't mind doing that quickly, if nothing else. This is sort of a... Uh, it's a weird mix in that respect as well, because it's it's very flat. It seems like it relies heavily on natural lighting most of the time. So you don't have... Yeah, it's, there's a lot of dark scenes. Cause there's a lot of dark scenes where like the entire faces are in shadows. Which and is interesting to me. Like, even near the beginning when they're just showing them in school and then, like, after school kind of, like, hanging out and the teachers are coming by and they'll be like, oh, she's coming by, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't even see a person walking. Like, how do you, can you see? But I don't know. Like, how can they see when it's, like, pitch dark in their school atmosphere? Because there's, like, no lights yeah, I mean, really? the camera can't see some of the things that the human eye can. Um, and I think we're just left to interpret some of these things. There's a couple different fights, especially like that, the opening, the, the, opening the main fight. fight. <laughs> the opening fight scene, and then also, yeah, like the, the fight in Shandong's area and all this Yeah, it was all dark, except it's, for like one the light bulb. The flashlight, and there was like this light bulb that was kind of like shattered or whatever so you know you have that and then yeah in the opening scene you have a lot of okay so it's like a lot of long shots 
and you see these people going up and down the stairs, but it's in mostly darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's really interesting to to see how that plays out or, or when it plays out. Because it's not like... The movie's never heavily lit. Mm-hmm. You know, there, and you don't have a lot of lighting effects. You don't have textures. You don't have, like, stripes of shadows along the walls or anything. Everything is very flat in that regard. But the shadows get used effectively in situations like that. Or even in the opening scene where the dad is talking to Wong at the party. And they're mm-hmm. talking, like, completely in shadows. And I, you know, they're talking about some shady stuff. <laughs> you know, like, political manipulation and corruption and all this kind of thing. Uh, and so it's interesting to, to see when it's used in that way and to what extent, because you really cannot see very much at all. It's There's even, like, one scene where, at the beginning of the Shandong raid, you know, they're in candlelight. Yeah. And then Shandong blows out the candles and you just see like the tiniest little like remaining spark mm-hmm. and that's all that's on the screen for a while while other things happen it's just very interesting choices to me and then that combined with like the lack of music <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing <laughs> i don't know it, it's just it's strange it, it i guess it kind of puts you in i don't i don't know it's this weird mix of voyeuristic behavior and also like that you're yeah, that's in what I'm there. saying. You're like, you're like a spectator in the day in the life of these people's lives. Yeah, but then there's like also you're... like a little bit of an immersion because of some of the way that, that stuff is shot. But yeah, there's several different scenes where conversations are happening off screen or behind a door, and you are in a hallway looking at emptiness, basically. You know, you see, like, a a half door on one side of the frame, and you see, you know, a wall on the other side of the frame, and maybe somebody will walk in here and there into the shot. But mostly the conversation is happening off screen. Yeah. So from that perspective, you know, there's voyeuristic times like that. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of long shots, not only in... Uh, The uh, one shot... wide shots. Like, uh, this is near the end, too, where... You're looking in through the house. It's like, I didn't even know what was happening again. The father is, like, beating the older brother up. Yeah. Why? Oh, because he stole the mom's watch and pawned it. Okay, because I know that, you know, he needed... It happened multiple times, but this is the time he actually got caught. Caught, okay. Because I know he he does, like, the pool hall stuff. and He's he's a pool hustler and he lost some money. He's always, like, owing money. But Mm. then he also gives money to... Sir, because yeah. Sir owed money to someone. To airplane, actually. Oh, that that's the one <laughs> that he stole the baseball bat from? Yeah, well, he was using the baseball bat, and then, like, there is a school announcement saying baseball bats are banned. Yeah, 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 and then and it's so taken, the and then took it away. it's $70, and he's yeah. like, well, what are you going to do with my baseball bat that I bought? Yeah. And that's, his brother gives it to, which I thought that was nice. I was like, cool, I mean, they have a... But that whole scene where we are looking in, where his father is, like, beating the shit out of the older brother, and the mom's crying, and the sister is trying to stop it. And then, but it's like, we are seeing this, but then the the camera, like, turns, and it's like, sir, watching his family Mm -hmm. fighting. It's like we were watching in his perspective. And there's a few different scenes like that, too. And I think that's, um, like, the opening scene where he's basically getting kicked out of his day school. 
Yeah. Know, that's another example like of those Like his father is negotiating. Where you, you see the father, but you don't see the... You don't see Sir sitting there watching his father negotiate with the professor or whatever. Yeah, and you also don't see the professor. You can't see the woman that he's talking to. And it's very echoey. You, like, mm-hmm. the noises are very far away. And then near the end of the scene, you get the reverse shot of Sir just kind of, like, sitting on a bench um, in, in this area. I think that's a perfect example. You know, those those two things are perfect examples of how you can be sort of immersed in this, but also voyeuristic at the same time. And um, I think, it, for some reason, I thought that the middle sister was also outside of Sir, but maybe I'm thinking of a different scene. But um, I, I think, yeah, that part where the dad is beating the older son that happens after like he's he has a breakdown the dad but, has a breakdown yeah, that happens he's after like, he's interrogated for something else he's being interrogated something about his job because he works for the government he works for the government i really don't understand what he was interrogated for that i don't because they that's another scene where there's scenes where there's people whispering and we have no idea what they're saying there's i i think it's really just some sort of like political stuff that would make sense to people in the region or people who knew that part of history and mm. we just don't understand but the they don't even we watch this with subtitles they don't even give subtitles it's For like some of it. you weird you hear the whispering and then they call the father out to this and i thought he had to do like a special job because they were making him like write something yeah and and, and the other thing is like this and happens the, in immediately the mom, after that, the sword fight yeah, that's why I was like, Shandong's was his father, <laughs> did his father have something to do with it? Or well, I thought he was just going to be brought in to... Because of his son? Because, like, Sir was being punished and he had to, like, go, like, go get his son or whatever, or, you know, account for But he that. was like, they made him do something. This is where I was also getting confused. They made him, they were, they kept him there and they are like, you can't go until you finish whatever the hell you're writing and that's what his even his wife didn't even know because then she met up with him somewhere and she's like oh and he's like i gotta finish this job so first yeah Yeah, there's a couple things that i I do know about it but i don't fully understand why it was (laughs) so like i know that the interrogators were basically asking him to write down every single name that he knew. So maybe I don't know if it was he... like a communist type of, you know, outing, like, you know, who, oh, who yeah. are you associating with type of Yeah, thing. so we can arrest because those people. really what they were trying remember. to get at, I think, was Wong. Oh, okay. Um, because they do mention it. There's a couple times where they mention, do you know this person? And he's like, I don't think so. He's like, well, don't you remember 10 years ago when you did this thing? He's like, yeah. Well, that was with this person. Oh, okay. So why didn't you write his name down? Like, why didn't you remember this guy's name? It was, like, that kind of, like, weird nitpickiness. Yeah. But there was also this time where it's, like... It's, like, Have you Scientology guy... level. I don't know. It's, like... <laughs> like yeah. But, uh... You know, there was that point where they said, Well, do you know this guy, Wong? Mm-hmm. And he's, like, Oh, yeah, he was a former classmate of mine. And, oh, I've seen him, like, once or twice in class yeah. reunions. Lying about his interactions because he does have a actual relationship mm-hmm. ongoing with Wong. So I think that's really what the goal was of it, mm. is to capture this corrupt potential... Person. Yeah. Okay. But um, I don't know who was behind it or why exactly, because they don't really get into that. 
but yeah, he, he gets he gets to leave the interrogation and then his wife happens to see them at or see him at the uh at the market, Uncle Fat's yeah, market, market eating and she's just like flabbergasted that he she's yeah. there. And I think it's I think it may be partly that he didn't she didn't think that he was gonna get out, maybe. Oh, I thought like she was surprised that he I thought, was alive, possibly. Oh, I thought uh, and she also was just like surprised what the that hell he went you? there instead of home. Yeah. Well, but then he was like, "I'm still finishing up with work," and yeah, know. they get home and he's like, "I need to go to work now." Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I still have a job, but and then I, they... I want to like keep up appearances as much as possible. But then, but I think like was, Uncle, he, I think he was fired. Yeah, uh, but that's when Uncle Fat was like, "I can give like you've helped my family out." with whatever and i can give your husband a job i mean it's not gonna pay well but yeah. he has a job with us there's a lot of nuance in this because yeah the only reason uncle fat helps him is because sir saves his life when he falls into the ditch when he's walking drunk from home mm-hmm. but sir was going to hurt him mm-hmm. and decided not to at the last minute he had the brick in his hand mm-hmm. because uncle fat had a confrontation with the dad earlier so, like, there's all these, like, weird interconnected scenes that are going on in this whole movie, and it's really, it's tough for us to outline all of them, but, like, it's a complex story <laughs> overall. And unless this whole time we barely talked about Ming. Which is what this... She's, like, kind of, like, the main impetus of, of a lot of the actions yeah. and a lot of the... Because she is presented as being something of a manipulative character at times. Yeah. Um... I mean, she basically has her hand in every single relationship possible, in a sense. I don't know. She she, but she comes off like innocent. Oh yeah, like she's she doesn't give she off this... that air of manipulation at all. No, she's just like pure innocent, like normal fourteen year old girl. But behind it all, it's like uh, what was the character's name in Bugsy? Annette Bening's character. I I forgot her name, and I feel. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Episode, what, like three of the yeah. podcast, if you want to go back. Um, but, it, you know, it's Virginia the, Hill. Virginia Hill. Yeah, there so you go. So she's the Virginia she's Hill. She's basically the Virginia Hill. Like, she, she's well, talking and interacting with all these different the facets. She's the girlfriend of Honey, who's the leader of this gang. And possibly the reason that Honey had to run away. Yeah. Because which she we, supposedly we told him to kill someone else. Yeah, we learn all this, like, later in the movie. Because in the beginning, they're just, it's like, Four and her, they, you know, sort of meet at the nurse's office in their school. Mm-hmm. And she, like, hurts her leg somehow, and he's like, just walk her to her class. Yeah, but then playing basketball with Tiger. But they don't show the injury happen. They no. They show the aftermath. So she, like, sprains her ankle or something. Yeah, and instead they decide to cut class. Yeah, and then the 217 gang sees them at the shooting range, the army. I mean, because they know who she is, but Four doesn't know who she is. He just thinks that she's, like, just a girl from school. Sort of. Hanging out with her. I mean, I think he has an understanding that she may be Honey's girl. Oh, but I don't a, think he knew who he was. he's not, like, was. actively trying to date, you know? Like, he's just sort of, like, hanging out as a friend at first. Yeah, at first. And then afterwards, things... Yeah, yeah after the whole... When Hani gets killed, killed that's... He, he's he comes like, back, but 
doesn't last long in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Sir is like, I'm want to I'm here to protect you. I want to protect you. And yeah. then she's like, Do you really mean that? But then I was like, Are they together? Like Well, he thinks so. But she's she has not. Yeah, I mean her mindset is basically like she wants everyone to want her. Mm-hmm. Right, and like to the point where she's upset that that doctor is engaged. Oh yeah. You know she's like. But she's like mad. a fourteen-year-old girl. Right, but that also kind of leads us to believe that the doctor may have had an inappropriate relationship with Ming, and that's Before. also something that is alluded to when the reporters come to the doctor at the very end. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, nothing is actually seen on screen, but it's kind of alluded to in various different ways. But yeah, yeah Ming, and then, Ming basically wants to have yeah, and then, everyone and be in control of everyone. Yeah. And in the beginning of the movie, Sir, this is like night one of night school, I guess, where, you know, he, he steals like a flashlight from this nearby film studio. I mean, that was like mm-hmm. a whole thing with him and Kat. And he's like walking in the woods between the film studio and the school and he sees like this couple making out and they're like making fun of them sort of they're like ooh hanky panky you know yeah and, and it's that that's sly that's sly and... well we find out later <laughs> we that find it's, out Ming, it's Ming but it, they they say it's Jade as to is... not upset honey and whoever else yeah yeah but you know and that starts the beginning of like kind of sly kind of bullying sir because why did you come make up this rumor about me of me making out with someone or but, like why did you even say anything to anybody? yeah why did you say it? Yeah. yeah but we soon find out from jade that it was ming that he was making out with and they just agreed to say that it, it was, was her, her to avoid more trouble because it would have been worse if it was ming that's so. what I mean. It leads up to because Sir is kind of like this poor troubled teen. Yeah. <laughs> like he gets into like all this shit, like all this wrong shit happens to him, and he's just trying to like mind his own business, sort of. Yeah, to a degree. Because he, I mean, he's not a bad kid, but he does like lash out sometimes. Not to, like, his family, but mostly, like, the teachers. Like, he, he doesn't give into like, authority figures that well. It's tough to know what goes on in his head. He has sort of an aloof expression most of the time. But, very... but he's, like, going off, some like, swearing at, like, teachers and stuff all yeah, of a that's, sudden. Yeah, that's near the, yeah, that's near the, um... But I think that was because he's just, like, an angry spin. kid because he's angry about what's happening with, right. like, Ming. Yeah, fourteen-year-old kid. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So you know, um, and he's you know he finds this knife. Well, Cat finds the knife in his attic, and then Sir he... steals it from Cat's house because yeah. he's been expelled. And yeah, there's like I said, a lot there's of like, parts awesome. in this whole thing. But yeah, he meets up with Ming one night and confronts her. There's some real conversations in this movie. That I was not expecting to see happen. Between, like, 14-year-old kids? <laughs> like, they act yeah. like as if they're adults. Well, yeah, like, the, I mean, the whole conversation between him and Jade is, as well. Like, it, it, 
the conversation he has with Ming is virtually the same as what he has with Jade, where mm. basically Sir is saying, I can change you, I can make you better. And yeah. both of the women are like, no, you can't, and I don't want to be changed. Mm. You know, like, I wasn't expecting that type of conversation <laughs> in this type yeah. of a movie. It, just, it was very surprising to see. I don't think that there would be, like, an American 1991 movie that would treat the relationships between two teenagers with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, to even, like, approach those subjects, let alone have the women stand up for themselves. Yeah. But they both do. And they're like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. You're the problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know? That was pretty surprising to see that happen with Jade. And then Jade, like, locks him into, like, the playground area or whatever. Right. They're talking. Um, And and Ming is basically, you know, this is where she, I don't want to say that she comes out of her shell, but, like, she kind of, like, makes her her, true self known. Yeah, her connivingness comes out. A little bit. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd even call it conniving. It's just, like, you know, she's just... She's doing her what she manipulation can to abilities came out yeah further I don't know and it's basically saying like I never did anything I didn't want to do you know like nobody's making me do this stuff like this is this is what I want to be like you're saying that you can change me that means that you think I'm doing something wrong but I don't think I'm doing something wrong you know mm. like, so I mean that's not fully being manipulative i don't think in in that respect i think she's just saying like yeah no like this is who i am like you gotta accept this and if you don't then you have a problem i'm not the problem you're the problem yeah i mean and then but sir has a problem he has a problem and then (laughs) unfortunately he stabs her with that knife and this was like they're in the middle of like a very public area like this market area yeah they're they're in this street market yeah and then there's people watch they see what's going on but no one really reacts until she hits the floor and he starts telling her to get up yeah and and that's when people are like coming they start coming towards them like hey and then they're surprised and then that's when like you know crying and what yelling and all this stuff happened like the last 15 minutes is when like all this stuff is like jumbled into one yeah, for such a a, a slow movie, like the things start to after ramp the up actual event quickly. happens, it's like everything is like quickly. When that's where I need the slow stuff to happen. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So it, and it's the, like the stuff with her mom. Like her mom mm-hmm. finds out, and then her mom tries to kill herself. Right. And um. Her mom is her having and her medical mom. issues the whole time. She yeah. had asthma, and, and you know they had to move around because of like medical expenses and other like issues with that, and couldn't do her job, and so that created other problems and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, they went to the doctor at some point and interviewed him about the mother because of the you know attempted suicide, and then that's when they also asked her about his relationship with Ming, and he kicked them out and whatnot. <laughs> so. There's there's only two parts where they have text where they explain what's going on. One is at the very beginning to explain that in 1949, a lot of people left mainland China to Taiwan mm-hmm. uh, and you know, all the, the unrest and the, whatever that happened there. And then the other part was talking about what happened to Sir after he killed Ming. 
Which, that's where I wanted to see more of. Like, the, the after effects and, like, the trial or, like, his prison life or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I, I think just, this is really I, just not what this movie is for. It's meant to be the loss of innocence for many people. Mm. You know, it's meant to be about how this young person who has his whole life ahead of him can throw it all away. You know, like, this yeah. brighter summer day is now in the shadows, in in a sense. Like, it's, it's just gone. So I think it's meant to be that tragic stuff rather than to tell the full true story. So they talk about, you know, how he was sentenced to death who was in, and was the first juvenile to be sentenced to death. And then that was later commuted, and I think he served ultimately 30 years. 15 years. 50? 15. Oh, 15? I thought it said 30 in the movie. Well, he came out of jail when he was 30. Oh, so I got that. he was 15. Got it. And he was yeah. 30 by the time. Uh, and then there's like a small little epilogue with Cat who's trying to send in his performance tape to be basically discovered as a true artist and he writes correspondence to Sir pretending like Elvis actually received it and wrote him back and everything. Yeah. But in reality, unfortunately, like the tape is thrown away and so Yeah, which is sad. Another dream shattered that summer. Let's let's quickly get into some casting crew that's that's worth mentioning. We got Edward Yang uh, he's part of the Taiwan New Wave. Uh, he was the Can winner for Best Director and Palm d'Or nominee for Yi Yi. Uh, Palm nominee, Palm d'Or nominee for a Confucian Confusion. He's also directed movies like Mahjong and Taipei Story. I think all of them are in the similar vein of like slice of life, sort of more, you know, family oriented stories, I believe. Uh, most of the other people, Hung Hung, he also played the Chinese studies teacher, the one who made Cat write the character for I a hundred times on mm. the, the board. Uh, he's written a Confusion Confusion and also Human Comedy. Uh, Ming Tang Lai was another writer. Only other credit is an assistant director for The Terrorizers, which is another one of Edward Yang's movies. Alex Yang, who also plays Shang Dong and was one of the writers. Also did movies The Trigger, Taipei 21, and My Fair Laddie, L-A-D-D-Y. Chang Shen is the person who played Sir. This was his first movie. He was 14 years old. He has done quite a few since. He was in things like Happy to Together, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Eros, 2046. He was in The New Dune, uh, and he's also been in a TV show called Love and Destiny, which ran for 60 episodes, so he's had a good long career since this. Lisa Yang played Ming. Her only other credit is one episode of the American TV show One Life to Live in 2008. Hmm. Which is really strange. But yeah, she, she I think, lives mostly in America now. Uh, the father was played by Kuo Chu Chang. He's going to be in the 1991 movie The Stone Age Warriors. He's also been in other movies such as Love Massacre, Killer Rose, Last Affair. And he is the actual father of Sir and Lao Er. Oh, so Lao in er real life is the two Cheng, brothers, Cheng Chen and Cheng Chen, er. and the the older brother is Han Chang. Okay. So Cheng Chen, the real brothers Han and Chang father, are real brothers, and their father is Kuo Chu Chang. Mm. So, yeah, uh, the mother was played by Elaine Jin. She's been in things like Lost in Beijing, Yi Yi, and also the 2019 movie version of Midnight Diner. 
Uh, and then the middle sister, who had like virtually no lines, this is her only acting credit, but she did direct a few different things like Artemisia, Let the Wind Carry Me, The Furthest End Awaits. Her name is, I'm going to mispronounce this, I apologize, Hsu Cheung Chang. Uh, and then the other person I want to mention, uh, there's two actually. Emily Y. Chang or Yin Chen Chang played Ming's mother. Mm. I just wanted to quickly mention this because she did have quite a few roles in the late 70s and early 80s. She was a very prolific actress in that time period. Uh, but as sort of like a weird coincidence, she died in 2016 of asthma. Mm. Sort of like what her character experienced in this movie. And then uh, Shang-Chi Chen, the little doctor's fiance is what her credit is there. <laughs> she's had a, probably one of the better careers as well. She's been in such movies as What Time Is It There? I Don't Want to Sleep Alone, Exit, where she won the Best Actress Award at the Golden Horse Awards, which we'll talk about in a second here, uh, and also nominated for Wayward Cloud, Goodbye Dragon Inn, and The Receptionist. So she's been in a bunch of stuff. In terms of awards, this had a lot of film festival awards. Uh, at the Tokyo International Film Festival, it was nominated for the Tokyo Grand Prix, and it won the Special Jury Prize. At the Golden Horse Film Festival, which is Taiwan's major film festival, it did win Best Feature Film and Original Screenplay, and it was also nominated for Best Actor, Best Actress, Director, Cinematography, Art Direction, Makeup and Costume Design, Sound Recording. And like we said, it was part of the Criterion Collection. With all of that, we can say uh, we can move on to true crime pop culture. So yeah, this this movie is based off a of a true well story known. that is, I guess, it's well known because it was given the circumstances. And I only found, I mean, when I was looking this up, there's only like one paragraph, and it was like on the Criterion Channel website for this movie. It was just on June 16, 1961, on Cooling Street in Taiwan, a teenager killed his girlfriend with a knife for a total of $7. I don't know why. So there's like some sort of monetary aspect that wasn't mentioned in the Yes. Movie. And at that time, one of them was 16 and the other was 15 and didn't say who was 16 or 15. And... During that time, the locals in Taiwan were shocked, mainly because, you know, how it was in the movie. It was like a teen... This is the first time, like, a teen... Well, well-known teen murdering incident that happened, like, in uh, public, mm -hmm. basically. And that's it. But I'm assuming it also happened the same way, where maybe that teen was given the death pen penalty but because you know he was like 15 or 16 they shortened yeah. it to like a 15 year sentence yeah they reversed it later yeah i would imagine that that's what would have happened in real life is that they were the first juvenile they like tried yeah it's like they didn't want to try him as an adult but you know as a teen and that's all I found out about that. And then um, moving on to TV, July 27th, 1991 was a Saturday, which is 
from last week's movie that we did. It was only four days. So Hot Shots was July 31st. Okay. So we're, we have the same TV guide. And we've had two movies on July 26th as well already. Yeah, like there's a lot going on. Yeah, and Life Stinks. So yeah, a lot in this so this was a few days before <laughs> Hot Shots, which was last week. But, I mean, TV-wise, it was on a Saturday night. And Saturday night, it was just a bunch of repeats, except... And then also just a bunch of movies that were on ABC and CBS. And, um... The CBS movie was The Big Easy. Do you remember okay. that movie? I I haven't seen it. I have, I don't know if I've seen it. it. I know it has Dennis Quaid and Ellen Barkin in it. And on ABC was a movie called Proud Men. Not very Which I think was a TV movie. Is it? Okay. So it because, might be on our list. I just don't recognize it. It's a 1987. Oh, because well, it says... It's no. <laughs> But it says it's a repeat, so... And But on CBS, after The Big Easy was on, there was two episodes of Baghdad Cafe, which oh. was a TV show based off of the movie. And I remember mm-hmm. we talked about that movie because it was directed by... Um, Sam and Barry's director. Yes, Adlon. Mm-hmm. Can't think of his first name Percy, right now. Percy, Percy Adlon. Adlon. So, but this was two seasons, and these were the last two episodes that aired on July 27th, 1991. Okay. But it starred, Baghdad Cafe, the TV series, starred Whoopi Goldberg and Gene Stapleton. Yep. Which is an interesting pairing. Yeah. I I mean, I read some, like, tea, I guess. (laughs) There's, like, insider stuff. That the series ended on November 16th, 1991, after a dispute between Goldberg and the show's co-executive producer. The executive producer was told that Goldberg called CBS president in late November to say that she was quitting the show. With no time to recast Goldberg's role, CBS ended the series and pulled the remaining episodes from the broadcast schedule. Hmm. Interesting. And then moving on to music, I mean, I thought we were going to have the same stuff as last week, but the bottom five (laughs) for this weekend on July 27th. Yeah, it's a slightly different cutoff for the week, so. Yeah, it was exactly one week before Hot Shots, but I have five new songs from the bottom five of last week for this week. And um, at number 100 was the song called Someone by the Rembrandts. And that song's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Rembrandts, we all know, does the Friends song. Right. I'll be there so for you. This is like their previous album. Yeah. And we talked about them before because they did another yeah. song that was on the charts. The that's just the way it is okay which i i know that song more i've never heard this song but it's just like a more than words wannabe type song okay and i was like it's very like slow and i was like when is the hook gonna drop like when is something gonna happen let the bass drop yeah and it nothing else happened until like happens no (laughs) 
Well, like a drum beat finally happens like two minutes in. Oh. And I'm like, all right, I'm bored. And the song before that is, um, well, number 99 is, this is the first time it's on the charts, Hey Stupid by Alice Cooper. Okay. And... The video is amusing. I mean, we'll put it. On, we'll put it on. Yeah, it should be on. It's there. gonna be on the website. And I was thinking, like, that's the song. Isn't that the song they play when Wayne's World goes and sees them live, before they go backstage to meet Alice Cooper? It could be. I really don't remember. I mean, that's how I know this song. Okay. But fun story is I saw Alice Cooper live like almost 20 years ago for free he was touring around I remember (laughs) yeah he came to like the the big music festival in my hometown I don't think I saw him though I I mean I only saw him because me and my roommate at the time were on the train and some guy just gave us tickets he's like hey do you want to see Alice Cooper and we were like okay and it was for that (laughs) night and we were like we have nothing else to do so we we went and it was an interesting night (laughs) so i don't know i i encourage people to see a band or a group or a person if if they're legends and long you know if they have longevity then they they probably know how to put on a show yeah (laughs) because i i don't know anything about alice cooper except for like you know school's out forever basically yeah and i was like all right i guess we're going um, number 98 is this song called Perfect World by the band called Alias. And just by reading this, I was like, I don't know this band and I don't know this song. But <laughs> listening to the song, this was on the soundtrack for Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dad. And this band Alias is a super group. Of, it's a Canadian super group. Mm. So it's like two guys from this band from Canada called Sheriff. I have no idea who oh. Sheriff is. Oh. But it's also the band members from the band Heart, excluding the two sisters. Mm. So it's all the guys in Heart, I guess, with these guys from this band Sheriff called alias okay and their other hit which is what i knew when from listening was more than words can say oh that's also them that's also them oh okay that song was in 19 so they had two albums one was in 1990 which had this song perfect world and more than words can say on it and then, you know, Perfect World was also in Don't Tell Mom, the Babysitter's Dead sound- soundtrack. And then their second album didn't come out until 2009. Wow. They probably decided, hey, yeah, let's make some more money with our... Yeah, but none of the bands. songs <laughs> on there charted. So, sure. I mean, that was it for them. And um, number 97 was the song Monster by Fred Schneider which I was playing for you. Yes. And... and it made me think, like, why didn't I get into the B-52s when oh. I was younger? Oh, really? You never did? No. Like, I know I know they're, like, hits, 
But I never, you know, tried like to explore Like Rock Lobster anything. and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. But I never tried to explore anything beyond the hits. And I'm, I'm like, why didn't I? <laughs> I mean, I... See, I... Okay, this... I think we talked about this before. I thought, like, B-52s... In REM. Was in REM. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because of the they were rooms yeah. and happy people, yes. Until, I don't know, Love Shack came around, I guess. Mm. <laughs> That's when I was like, oh, that. But I was like, where's Michael Stipe? I don't know. Yeah, but I Michael mean, Stipe I was, does kind of look like Fred Schneider. Yeah. So. Anyways, but this, this song was released. This was, you know, just Fred Schneider on his own. After the B-52s. But in the video... female vocals. But yeah, in in this video, it was the two women from the B-52s in in this song. But it was on his solo album. But this album was released in 1984 and then re-released in July of 91. And then Mm. this song, Monster, made the charts in 1991. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very goofy song. Yeah, and then as you the video, expect, you <laughs> the know, video, like there's the a monster in my pants, and it does um, a something dance. I forget. Oh, a modern dance. That's like <laughs> yeah. one of the lyrics. And I'm listening to that thing. Why did I get into B52s? <laughs> the video is amusing, and you know we're gonna put it on yeah. the website. And number ninety six was "Mama Said Knock You Out" by LL mm. Cool J, which we all know. Hopefully. All right. Uh, let's move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put a brighter summer day? Um, I'm gonna give this a four. Yeah, this is one of those movies where, you know, it obviously has a lot of prestige, but it didn't resonate with me the way some of the other higher profile movies have. It didn't. It didn't blow me out of the water like Belle Noiseuse. It didn't um, surprise me the way something like All the Mornings of the World did. You know? Yeah. Uh, so on my 0 to 4 star scale, I'm, I'm going to give it a... I'm only going to give it a 3, I think, but I probably would have given it... I don't know. It That could change like a 3.5 if I watched it more, if I, you know... I mean, it's, I could have yeah, someone convince me to bump If this movie it was an hour, honestly, like an hour less, which I, you said there is, uh, I probably would have been, yeah. would have liked it more because there are times where I'm like, can this movie be done now? Like, well, my my problem with this is I looked up what happened. Yeah, <laughs> this is like the first movie fault. where I was like, okay, I know what. So that's my fault for looking because well, I was researching for it because I read that it was based off a true story. So I was looking up true story stuff and I was like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what it's leading up to. So I knew what was going to happen. So then when I knew that, I was like, okay, can we just get to it? Yeah. So maybe that was my fault. <laughs> I don't it, know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I also think this is um, everybody's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? I think uh, for me, this is one where I, I do think it would benefit from a second viewing. I think I wouldn't mind trying the shorter version first. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think there's enough, like, depth of characterization that's kind of hidden behind the scenes or, you know, not so obvious that we could, you know, glean more information from another viewing. So I don't know about you. 
if you'd watch it again? Um, I would. Yeah, if it was the shortened version. I don't know if I would watch this fully, the full four hours. But I would like to see, like, all... Now that we know what happens in the movie, it's interesting to re-watch and see, like, all the, like, foreshadowing, I guess. Yeah, like... Basically, like how things know snowball. Yeah, you know, like like how all these instances came up to you know the main incident, I guess. Yeah, and, and you know, like try to find you know understand a little bit more about why the ice cream vendor was focused on so much at a certain point and things like that, and you know, find more metaphors. Like sort of at the end when he puts the flashlight down and picks up the knife, I think that was very metaphorical. Of like you know, this is a very much this is the moment, you know? Like, he's he's leaving his childhood behind with this stolen flashlight mm-hmm. that he had been carrying around. Like, that was his symbol of participation, and now he's moving on to the next step while bringing the knife and before confronting Ming. Even though it wasn't really confrontational, it just sort of kind of happened. It wasn't like a major argument between them. He just, it's like, okay, well, she's not giving me the answer that I want, and it just happens. Um... But yeah, so yes, I would watch it again. I'd probably have to just be in the right mindset. If you out there want to watch A Brighter Summer Day, as of this recording in May 2022, it's available on Criterion Channel, Canopy, Digital Rental, DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, as part of our word association, we're going to take the summer from this title, and we're going to watch The Summer My Father Grew Up. That's only available on YouTube. We will see you then. Thanks. <laughs>